Brothers and sisters, welcome to Coffee Conversations in Christ, where we have candid conversations about Catholicism in the world today with a cup of coffee in hand. Today, we talk about modern Marcionism. Let me read to you the Gospel from today's lectionary. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish but to fulfill. Amen, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or the smallest part of a letter will pass from the law, until all things have taken place. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do so will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever obeys and teaches these commandments will be called greatest in the kingdom of heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. Today, we talk about a figure from the very early church. And I mean very, very, very early church. His name is Markin. He was born in around 85 AD, which means he was born while John the Evangelist was still alive. We know that historians put his death at around 100 AD. So, Markian was one of the first Christians, and he was one of the first heretics. A heretic is someone who goes not just against what we think the gospel means, but the general stream of consciousness of the faith. Traditionally, this is what a heretic would be. Someone who sometimes would even be condemned by entire ecumenical councils. And... If you talk about the stream of consciousness in the church, he faced the stream. He was against some of the first and greatest uh, apologists of the church, some of the first defenders of the faith. We're talking about Justin Martyr, St. Irenaeus, Tertullian. These are guys who we consider to be some of the most influential minds ever. Their writings continue to be a source of theology and inspiration until today. And these were Markian's opponents. They spent a lot of time on Markian, which means that the Markian sect really grew because they wouldn't expend all of this energy in a time where Christians were still extremely persecuted just to defend their faith from a random guy without a following. Markianism was very pervasive during this time, this early, early, early church but why are we talking about Markianism today? There aren't any Markians, or if there are, they aren't pronounced. Well, when you read what Markianism really means, it might seem a bit familiar. Markianism holds that there are two gods, the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament. The Old Testament God is the creator God. He made the universe, yes, but he's evil. He's vengeful. He's full of wrath, which means... He isn't the perfect God, and He isn't the true God. The true God is the God of the New Testament. He is the God who sent Jesus Christ to save us all, and who is eternally happy, eternally loving, eternally without the wrath of God. I'm not sure there are any Christian pastors or church leaders that would publicly espouse this doctrine. We believe that there is one God, sure. 
But so many people tend to separate the God of the New Testament from the Old. St. Augustine said, the new is hidden in the old. The old is revealed in the new. But so many people seem to have a disconnect between the old and the new. So many people disregard the law, the prophets, the commandments, all of these things because they say, we are under the New Testament. We're under the New Covenant. Why should I care? You should care because Jesus cares. Because Jesus took the time to emphasize that his teachings aren't a rupture. They're a continuity. This is why it's in chapter 5. Chapter 5 of Matthew is the Sermon of the Mount. One of the most important sermons because here Jesus enumerates things that are very different from what we read in the Old Testament. Things that are positive. For example, the Beatitudes contrasted to the negative Ten Commandments. Thou blessed be, blessed be, blessed be, compared to the thou shall not, thou shall not, thou shall not. But Jesus has to clarify, because it is important, that he is not abolishing the law. Does it mean that we should subscribe to everything in the Mosaic Law? No. We are not under the Mosaic Law. The fathers are consistent when they talk about this. We are under grace, not under the law. But what is the law? What is it? What does Jesus talk about in the gospel today? It is not the positive law of the Mosaic Covenant. Although this positive law is still important as a guide for us. He talks about eternal law. We understand the difference between the two. Because Aquinas has this theory of natural law. He talks about the different types of laws and two of those types are the positive laws and the eternal law. A positive law is a law that specifically condemns an action. It says, thou shall or thou shall not. Specific. It points out specific things. It encapsulates the law. The eternal law is the law that is identical to the mind of God. It is the overarching law from which everything else is grounded. And the thing about this law is that it can never be encapsulated in a few words, in a few aphorisms, in a few commandments. We try, of course. We put all of these rules to guide us, to have let us have a glimpse of this law. But we can never fully encapsulate it. Because just like the Holy Trinity, as Augustine would describe it, we can never put the ocean into a little hole in the sand. In the same way, we can never put the entire mind of God into a book and say, these are all of the laws in the universe, this is the perfect guide to morality, and this is everything you have to do to get to heaven. We can never do that. We can put guidelines, we can put a few estimations, a few general statements, but we can't create a positive list of everything that is happening. For example, Love God above all and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Those are the two greatest commandments because they are very general. Because it's hard to determine what does it mean to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Does it mean freely allowing them to do whatever they want to do? Or does it mean correcting them? Or is it somewhere in between? You understand. There is a difference between positive law and this eternal law. And when Jesus says, that not the smallest letter or the smallest part of a letter 
shall fade away, he's talking about the eternal law. Because God does not change. It is sad that these days, so many people are committed to forgetting the law. So many people say that, guys, it's 2021. And I'm not even talking about people outside the church. People outside the church, I get it. I understand why it would, why you wouldn't be bound by our laws. I'm not saying you're correct. I'm not saying you're exempted. But I understand. Because you don't believe in the fundamental framework that says these are the laws so we should follow them. But there are people within the church, church leaders even, who continuously think we should forget about laws. Who continuously think that it's 2019 so we should learn to follow the signs of the times want to make Christ follow us instead of the people to follow Christ. And that's absurd. God is unchanging. We are. Why does God have to change for us? When social consciousness dictates that slavery is okay again, I'm not seeing any of you lot standing in line to say, okay, be slave. Okay, get a slave. Because you understand that there's something fundamentally true about morality. There's an objective standard, and that standard is God. So it doesn't matter if it's 2021. Sure, there are shifting social contexts. Sure, our response to sin may differ. But sin does not change. Evil does not change. And we can't forget the law just because we aren't under the Mosaic law. In fact... As Augustine would point out in his commentary on this uh, verse, when Jesus says, fulfill the law, he can mean two things. Fulfill, meaning to follow, and fulfill, meaning to add to it. And Augustine says, it is the latter. Jesus wishes to add to the law, to make the law whole, to make the law imitate the eternal law better. And we notice that. In the law, what is adultery? It is the act itself. The act of cheating on your wife or your husband. In the new covenant, what is it? Even the sin of the eyes becomes adultery. Because even the sin of the eyes is a deviation from the goodness of God. Even just the sin of the eyes is veering off the path of goodness. And so the law is fulfilled. Not in the sense that Jesus follows the law, but the law is fulfilled in the sense that Jesus makes the law identical to the mind of God. He makes the law the eternal law. That because we are filled with grace, because He has, showered, he has opened the gates of heaven and showered us with His grace, we cannot be expected to live just under the positive laws. We are tested under the eternal law. We are tested by comparison to the perfect measuring stick, the goodness of God. And so, we ask for the ability to follow this law. Because sometimes, I am a modern Marxist. Uh, modern Marxist. There are things that I do that I want to justify as not sins. And I'm sure there are a lot of people who do that too. There are a lot of things where I wish to rationalize as okay because 
the past couldn't account for my social context. But that's not the case. I cannot be a modern Markian. I can't be someone who tries to change God for the sake of not changing myself. I can't be someone like that. And neither should you. So brothers and sisters, we pray for the ability to follow the law. To not be modern Markians. And to say, Father, reveal your eternal mind to us so that we may do your will. Amen.